Hello and welcome to episode 78 of the Agile Pubcast. I'm Jeff Watts and this time Paul Goddard and I were in Dublin, Ireland where we found a lovely little cafe bar called Granger's just off the River Liffey. For a change, Paul and I decided to live stream on multiple channels. So we set up devices linked up to Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook and simultaneously cast ourselves across various social media platforms. We even had a live audience in the pub. Okay, only two people, but they were a good audience. And this episode we took questions from our listeners, including why doesn't our product owner listen? Why doesn't the product owner want to own the product backlog? How do we reconcile teams when they're split pretty much 50-50 on a decision? And the different impact that the same message can have when coming from within an organization or from someone outside the organization. We even ventured into how to be a good member of a team. So, get a drink and listen in to our live stream multicast episode. We are we are multi-streaming. So this is this is three different devices. Yeah, got I don't know up. where to look. Look at me <laughs> into my eyes, not around my eyes, into my eyes. So, Granger's Cafe Bar in Dublin. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Notice that we're not drinking Guinness when we're in Dublin. Again. Live, live studio. Cheers, mate. Nice to see it. There we go. Well, will, it, will the technology hang up? Is it, well, 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 we got it. redundancy, right? Yeah. Multiple parallel experiments. Yeah. So we will see which one works the best, which one gets the most interaction, and which one, if any, or if I can put that one, we uh, yes, we here. continue. Carry on talking. So yeah, right. What we, are we so where are we? We're in Granger's Cafe and Bar, which is just off just off the main drag. Got lovely lights on the top near of the lights. near the. Li- I look like an angel in that one. <laughs> near the Liffey. The river Liffey. Is it Liffey or Leafy? Liffey. Liffey. And just finished just finished work. I've got your Appleman cider. I've never heard of that. What's it like? Appleman cider. The one that Paul wanted was not on. It's a bit if I'm honest, it's a bit tasteless really. To be fair, Sorry. he was surprised when I asked for it, but the choice was between that and Bulmers, and you had Bulmers yesterday. It's just a bit it, it just just tastes a bit um, like fizzy, like fizzy squash. It's not. It's not really a, a great apple. Yeah, but it's not very. It's probably not sweet enough for me. I've got um, hop on, hop on, hop on from a local brewery. Okay. Hope. Good. Mm. Right. Let you know. <clears throat> Light, citrusy, hoppy, cold. Good after a nice run up and down the Liffey. We have been for a run up and down the Liffey. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're actually at 1.8 miles. miles. Yeah, nearly died. No, you didn't. Well, we were you do- dodging traffic. Yeah. Cool. All right. And our, and our audience are drinking Guinness, as they should be, <laughs> in, in Dublin, when in Rome. Live audience of two. And on, tw- on Twitter, we have six people listening. YouTube, five. <laughs> uh, and... and Two, three. I can't see. So I can't see. All up to seven. I've got some likes. Brilliant. That's good. Agilify UK joined. 
That's that's recording, but it's not linked up to anything. But it's quite a high def um, recording, so we'll use that for the actual video, really. But yeah, maybe different angle. Um, okay, cool. So, what do we talk about? Who wants? Who's got a topic? First one for a topic. Kick us off. Any questions? Ask us anything. Almost anything. <laughs> we just sit here now. Wait, have a drink. We can say what we're doing today, why we're in Dublin, Go people then. don't know that. I'll, I'll keep an eye out for the questions. So we're in Dublin for the next, well, until tomorrow. We're running an advanced Scrum Master class. Our first some of the best Scrum Masters in Dublin. Yeah, they're very good, actually. We've got to be careful because two of them are here. So we're not from Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but they're very good. And um, they're worthy of, well, you know, worthy of their place on the course. Very good. So, no, we're, we're just finished day one. Um, and day two tomorrow. So yeah, we're halfway through the in-person part of the course. Yeah. And uh, is, is it fair to say it's good? You're enjoying yourself? Yeah. Good. There we go. There it's go. been really interesting so far. Absolutely. Good. good learning today. There you go. You heard it first. So we've got some questions coming in. All. all yeah, I saw one around product. I'm what gonna, was that one? Alistair's being Brexit. He wants Brexit. No, don't do that. Um, but but not about Brexit. He just wants to know if your team is split almost 50-50, how do you reconcile it? Okay. But Fee said, how do you deal with a product owner that doesn't listen? Okay. You know what I'm going to say first of all? Um, extreme language. Doesn't I'm sure, don't like absolute. Yeah, I'm sure that, that product owner does listen sometimes. What, what do they listen to? When are they listening well? Um, and why should they listen to you? Would be my starting point. Okay. What's your thought? Um, I'd be interested to. Obviously, it's very difficult without. Give us a bit more context, Steve, yeah, while, while we remain. Doesn't listen to what, what we're trying to get across. Um, who are they not listening to? Who are they not listening what? to? Uh, would be nice. I don't know. We're listening. We were doing some listening today, weren't we? Just so the last, th last, last, <laughs> last thing we finished. But. Um, Listen, listening is kind of like, um, for me, it's kind of a muscle you have to exercise regularly. Yeah, it's easy to, to feel like you're listening. Some, um, Neil Malarkey said to me, some people don't listen, they just reload. The idea of, I'm, not, I'm just waiting for a gap. Yeah. Until now I want to fire my, uh, my next response. So for everybody else's benefit, Fee is, is adding a little bit more context. So she just, she just said that, I presume it's a she. Um, She's uh, saying that the product owner is not owning the backlog, which is an interesting statement, right? Mm. So, why wouldn't a product owner want to own the backlog? They don't believe in the product, or they don't. Maybe they um, don't think they have overall responsibility for it, or they're, they're, they're worried about the consequences of this product failing. Yeah. It could also be too many stakeholders, and they don't want to upset people. They don't want to prioritise across people. So there, I would say there is usually either a lack of belief or, or a fear associated with that lack of ownership, and I'd be interested in what they were worried about, would be my first sort of call. So. It's an interesting phrase, it doesn't want to listen. <coughs> doesn't, doesn't want, want to, to own the backlog. No, but the first one was about okay. listening. Doesn't listen, doesn't want to own yeah. the backlog. I don't know if we've even answered I that. Do your family... My wife and my son are now watching. That's two of our listeners. Yeah. Waiting to see if I say anything bad. See if I swear on camera. You're noting it down. Do, does that? Do, do you think, if if you had to guess, 
do you think there is anything they might be fearful of? And also, we, I mean, we don't know this point, but taking it completely from a neutral point of view, you don't know, any, but is there, um, could there be anything else going on, like a lack of respect? Is it harder to listen if you don't have respect? Or rapport? Yeah. If from, who, from who's talking? If you don't have respect for who's talking? Yes. Yeah. And that would be another thing. But the extreme language thing, as well as not, they don't always, they never listen. There will be some times when they do listen, and there will be some situations where they listen better than others. They're new, so it's maybe fear of being overwhelmed and all that. Uh, also, there will be some people that they're more opening to listening to than others. And we, so we had a session today about um, sort of influence, stakeholder mapping and influencing, and change agency. And as a scrum master, you might want to influence somebody, or as a member of the development team, you might want to influence somebody, or as a product owner, you might want to influence somebody. Um, and it may well be that you're just not the right person to influence whoever it is you're looking to influence at that point in time. Yeah. And all right, that might that might hurt your ego a little bit, but what's what's the what's the overall aim here? Is it to get the result that you're looking for that's good for the product, that's good for the, the company, or is it to feel like you have successfully influenced that person yourself? And I, from, for what it's worth, I, I find it's much easier for someone other than me to influence people yeah. than me. Yeah. Um, and so connecting the people that need to have that conversation is usually a much more effective strategy for me than trying to directly influence a party myself. And what Ollie used to say, um, you're never a prophet in your own land. Yeah. So you can be, if you're, if you're too close, too close to the problem, it could be someone says the same, exactly the same thing, using exactly the same language, but that person might listen that little bit more because it's a different perspective. There's no um, baggage, there's no um, connection. We had, um, often people say, so now we are effectively external, we're always external parties, so, yeah? so we're, we're brought into organisations rather than an employee of that organisation. And often people will say to us, oh, it's, it's alright because they'll listen to you because you're from outside. Oh. Uh, they don't listen to us because I'm, I'm more junior or... Um, you know, I haven't seen it from, an, I don't have that respect that comes from having worked outside in other organisations or other industries. And that you never a profit in your own land thing kind of applies to that. But yeah. equally, we've worked lots of organisations, and even in our state, I've seen lots of situations where people will say to me, yeah, I can see what you're saying there, Jeff, but you don't know how things work here. Mm. You're not from around here, you're not one of us, you yeah. don't know how things yeah, what it's like here yeah and so because I'm an outsider yeah. I have less respect yeah um, and I think that's that's a contextual thing I don't think that's a one person or a one organization thing mm. so assessing the situation I think is an important part of that and who who's likely to most most have most impact in having that conversation but I focused on fear fee and the other, the other side of that equation there is is reward so what do they have to gain from owning that backlog? Um, maybe they're not aware of an upside to it. Maybe all they can see is the downside. But if there was some clear, tangible upside to them taking a greater ownership, and if it was easier for them and less scary for them to do so, then maybe, maybe it would be a no-brainer for them. Mm -hmm. um, would be another point. Can I just, all right, we'll indulge Alistair. We'll indulge Alice's okay. question. So, if I remember it rightly, Alice, correct me if I'm wrong. 
what do you do if 48% of the team think one thing and 52% of the team think another? What do you do? What around moving forward well, anything, a decision? A decision. Uh, Why is that even a problem? Well, there's... You uh, don't have to be always be in agreement. Well, no, but they've got to make a decision. Right? And, and, well, so he's deliberately put that forward because of the... I know, yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. And so you've got 48% of the population who've been outvoted and they're unhappy about it. Let's, I don't want this to go political. No, no, no. But majority generally leads to unhappiness. Yes. Because those people that are on the losing side, they don't feel like they they haven't got anything out of it. No. Um, and so and in, in most agile exercises, techniques, there's not there isn't a majority. It's much more around consensus. It's not it's not around the majority ruling, is it? Well, that's what we were sort of brought up to, to try and facilitate when when we were when we were taught Scrum and when we started working with Scrum. That was the kind of, don't aim for majority, try and aim for consensus. Yeah. And there's a, there, generally speaking, consensus, I would say, is a better, if you can get to consensus, it takes longer yes. than getting to a majority. But in a, consen in a consensus result, everybody has been heard and is prepared to accept it. Now, I would argue that there are many situations, and the, the one that um, Alistair was abstractly referring to is one where consensus might have been impossible. Oh, yeah, with too many people. Exactly. Surely consensus is only po possible with... In a team. Yes. Not a group. Yeah. <clears throat> and so there's an element of, well, what are you... What, what working practices are you signing up to to be part of that community? Yeah. And so we did a little bit this morning on um, team identities, team charters, team working agreements. <laughs> and... When agreeing to be part of that team, um, I stress that because we believe you should, it should be an opt-in choice, right? It's not, you shouldn't be forced to be part of a team. Mm -hmm. But um, if you're opting in and, and agreeing to be part of that team, then you are agreeing to abide by the working agreements of that team, which hopefully you will be part of creating. Yeah. And one of those working agreements will be around how do we make decisions in this team? Yeah. And some great team. I know a lot of great teams that will actually be have majority as their decision making. But I think it can work for relatively minor decisions, can't it? Like, should we uh, go to this place or this place for lunch today? Yeah. Else, because the, the risk, the impact of this decision is is nominal, isn't it? You still have. Resentment, and you still have yeah, of course you will, but it's, it's not going to be long lived, you imagine. And it's yeah. less risky in a team environment, it anyway. It probably won't break the team up. Well, one it? of the things that we did to, um, to some, one of our listeners there just uh, offered a suggestion there, which is um, invite the two sides to kind of live the opposite argument for a period of time and then come back the next day to see if their opinions have changed. And what we've what we've experimented with <coughs> with uh, another another group, couple of groups of uh, scrum masters is we've got them to have what, what you might call a high school debate. Yeah. So you literally get the op and if you've, if you ever done a debating at school, I, I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was I think every lots of kids should do that. But um, the having to make an argument for the thing that you generally don't believe in 
I think is a, something that everybody should do on a, re- on a yeah, yeah, semi-regular yeah. basis. See both sides of the story. Empathise with the other side of the argument rather than just concrete your view. And so we, we, we force people, force, as much as we can. We, we, we set an exercise up where people have to argue for something that they don't believe in. Well, we were saying about this today at lunchtime, I was talking to uh, Wayne about this, but it's completely arbitrary. Depen- just depending on which where your seat is in the room yeah. might determine which side of the argument you, you land on. Yeah. And you might be completely different to how you, you want, where you want to be in that argument. Yeah. But that building of empathy for the other side. Um, I made a very flippant comment today. I think I might have mentioned this on the podcast before. Um, <coughs> and I might say a rude word, children. Children, close your ears. But the, the idea... Um, cheers. Cheers, Fee. She's off the yoga. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. To be, to be a, a good member of a team, you only really have to do two things, really, when it comes down to it. And that is, assume that your teammates are acting with good intentions. Yeah. And don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And if everyone on the team can just abide by those two things, teams work well. And this idea of being able to argue constructively and listen. Dan Pink had a phrase that I really, really liked, which was, argue as if you're right and listen as if you're wrong. Yeah, nice. I really like that. Put your point of view forward passionately, yeah. but then listen as if you must be missing something. And I think then you get a really rich, well-rounded team view. But also there's a, there's a theory as well about really good, mature, strong, high-performing teams will actually still move ahead, even if they're in disagreement. Even if, I, you know what, I, I disagree with that, but I'm still willing to go to try it out yeah. or to... I think it's wrong, but I'm still wanting to, 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 to work it out. The easiest way to make that easier is to make a decision reversible. Yeah. Or at least mitigatable, if that's a word. Yeah. So that's um, quite difficult in some circumstances. But there are very few decisions that are completely irreversible. And so the best teams that, that, I'm, that I've seen and been part of it's not so much making a decision as experimenting. Yeah. Can we actually test different ideas or create some simulations to see which ones actually feel good and, yeah. and give us good results and then work on the empirical data rather than objective hypotheses? Mm-hmm. Subjective hypotheses, sorry. Um, <coughs> now, yeah, whether, whether simulating models is, is worth it is an argument because it takes time and effort and sometimes money but we had a question you want to a different question what's your go this is from Stephen um, what's your go to question oh, sorry what's your go to coaching question or stress tool for someone with anxiety nominate Jeff did you say that no I said that no. okay I've got another question as well Go on, carry on. Um, anxiety. I'm I don't feel. Like, my I don't. You I don't, don't get anxious. No, I just don't feel I'm qualified to answer it. Okay. Um, well, one of the one of the techniques that we're going to look at tomorrow, actually, and I know Fee's gone to yoga, but this is something that she could she could use potentially, is um, fear setting. So fear setting, which is is something that Paul and I 
originally heard from Tim Ferriss on his TED talk, but then we iterated on it. It's quite a um, dark TED talk, isn't it? it, it beware it. Yeah, there's there's a white IPA up there, something in the middle of the stream. Well, okay. Yeah, something like that. Try that. Um, yeah, see if, if they've done. It didn't sound like you enjoyed that one. If they've got they've got one on tap, but I don't know if it's that one. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so Tim Ferriss, be, be careful when you watch it if you if you are a little um, sensitive. But the, uh, the 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 fear setting thing works like this. So basically, you, you try and lay out. First of all, you name what it is you're, you're considering. Uh, maybe it's a choice. Giving a you. talk. Yeah, yeah. Right? Giving a talk at a, 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 a meetup group or something, and you don't like public speaking. And you list all the things that you you think might go wrong or might might be negative results mm. of doing that and then for each of those potential negative results do look at them from three different perspectives so maybe um, maybe you think you'll forget your words right? you forget what you're going to talk about you'll freeze you'll dry up you won't you, you stand there looking like an idiot not with anything to say the first thing you look at to try and reduce that fear is well, how could I reduce the chances of it actually happening? What could I do? So you might rehearse. Um, you could have some notes on some cards yeah. in your back pocket. Or an auto cue. Or an auto cue. Yeah. And that would reduce the chances of it happening. Or reduce the scope of it happening. Um, and the second thing you'd do then is to assume that it does happen. All right, so you're on stage and you forget what you're going to say and you don't know what to do next. What could you do to repair the situation? So how could you recover from it? Yeah. Have a, a, a recovery set. And that could be um, on the laptop. You could just go and um, open up your, your presentation, call five minutes, give them a question to discuss for five minutes where you gather your thoughts, little, little sort of strategies like that. Yeah. Um, in, in acting, you'd have someone in the front row where you'd say, line, wouldn't you? That kind of thing. Yeah. And you'd get fed a line. So that you could have... Um, reduce the chances of it, repair it if it does happen, and then the third thing is to reframe it. And this is where we sort of we will take credit for this. We'll take credit. <laughs> where we tweaked Tim Ferriss's original. I think, well, can you look at that from another perspective? And the two perspectives we generally encourage to, 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 to bear in mind there are um, statistically, what are the chances of that actually happening? All right, try and get some data on it, either your data or industry data, just. And, and look at the actual facts. And the other perspective, from a reframing perspective, is could that be a good thing? Which, on the face of it, sounds crazy. Right? Mm. The idea of you standing on stage and not knowing what to say—how could that ever be a good thing? Right? But you, well, the good thing is you—you you become human to the audience. You become vulnerable, and you gain you, you gain rapport with the audience. That's, yeah. what, that's why it is the positive thing. And. It's a it's a developing mechanism, and you could yeah you could you could <coughs> build it's resilience strength, strengthen your um, your presentation skills for the next time. Yeah. The another way of reframing is to think well it's it's more normal than you'd um, think because even seasoned performers. Um, I'm going to try and think of someone now who is really seasoned performers. They forget their words. So if you've ever been to a concert and the singer puts their microphone out to the audience, <laughs> there's a good chance they've forgotten the lyrics. It happens. Uh, you read the autobiographies of some of the famous singers. Yeah, and a lot of audiences know more lyrics than the actual yeah. 
uh, singers. So it's more, it's fine, it's, it's common, it's not that common, but it does happen. Um, the, so yeah, we, that's, that would be my go-to go -to thing. What we, often, um, what we often find is that um, once you actually list out your concerns, you find that there aren't as many as you assumed there would be when that thing was in your head. Mm. Like, it's, oh, this is awful, this is terrible, I'm really worried about it. But when you come to write it down, you can only think of four or five things that might go wrong. And that's a good start. Yeah. Um, there was another... Oh, we had something on here. What do you think about mindfulness in Scrum? Is that from yourself? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to give us a bit more context? What is it? Yep. And how does it work with Scrum? And I think we have to also go into the, the direction of, of healthiness of the team. And, um, so, for me, I think there's an element of actually defining what mindfulness is because I think it's quite a broad term. Um, a lot of people, when they hear mindfulness, just think meditation, but it's more than that. And for me, if I take take a look at it and think it's being mindful about what you do and what you think for me that's how I would define it being, being conscious about what's what's going on for you not being on autopilot and yeah. letting letting your subconscious rule that's that's what it is for me would you have a different definition um, yeah knowing your, your strength and your weaknesses and how to handle this is. yeah and I think it's very important to teach this yeah, I think I think is what I think you're right. I think a good scrum master is actually probably doing a lot, even without realising it, is probably doing a lot of mindfulness um, exercise with their team. Hopefully, without realising it, yeah. just the stuff like giving giving downtime, you know, kind of switching off devices, kind of being um, in the moment and getting outdoors and just just things like that will actually improve your kind of general well-being the there's a I think there's a fundamental thing here which is for me agile teams are operating in complex domains yeah with lots of unknowns lots of change and lots of pressure and they don't have the answers to a lot of the questions that they're facing. No. They need to collaborate. They have dependencies upon other people. And all of that stuff increases anxiety. Uh, we always used to sort of joke about there's nowhere to hide in a scrum team. Because historically, Paul and I old, we, we uh, projects, oh, Paul's older than me, but, um, projects that were th you know, two and a half years on average, and you wouldn't actually deliver until the end of the project. Can you so imagine you, that, being two and a half years that? older that when you delivered it than when you started? Yeah. Just and baffles me. Quite often, <laughs> quite often, it would be a failure. You'd spend two and a half years failing and not knowing. Well, you would know, but you wouldn't really know. And now, if things are going wrong you know within a couple of weeks things are off track. So the pressure and the spotlight is on continually. And one of the Agile principles, one of the, probably the most important Agile principles is around sustainable pace. And that's a physical thing but also a mental thing. And so being aware of what's going on for you 
how you're acting, I think is essential for a sustainable pace. Because even successful teams can burn out mentally. Yeah. Okay, and you are also, uh, as a scrum, uh, scrum master, you have to take care of the mental health of everybody of the team, everyone of the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yourself included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we always used to say, um, fit your own life mask, fit your own... Um, What's it called? Uh, mask before you yeah. help others, right? Yeah. As they say, on, yeah, gas, on mask. The, gas mask. Gas mask. Gas mask. Is it? Fit your own oxygen mask. That's it. Fit your own oxygen mask before you help anybody else. Because you can't. If you can't save yourself, you can't save anyone. Um, and that that is a role. But also from the scrum master. And this was kind of something that was coming up in our conversations today, right? As a scrum master, yes, my instinct is to help, and that is a good instinct. But it. it Ultimately, my aim is to give the team the tools to help themselves, right? So this awareness of what it is and how it can help them. And, and also spotting it. it, isn't it, before... And if you don't feel equipped to deal with it, that's fine. But, but just establishing, can you recognise that something isn't right or something, yeah. something isn't um, normal? Like fixing problems for the team and establish, uh, empowering the team are completely different things, even though it's the same kind of line. Yeah, I don't know how to get the chat back. So we've got a couple, well, a couple of minutes left. If we've got one more question for anyone that wants to fire one in. I'm sure I just read one here somewhere. Oh, there was no. another one. If we could wave a magic wand and change one misconception of Agile and Scrum, what would it be? I'm going to give you a magic wand for what we're going to do with it. Change one misconception? Yep. Um... Is that I think it's um, not just about turning, you know, turning the wheel quicker. Does that make sense? Doing more for less. Yeah, just that, that people see it as a as a way to get more stuff done faster. I know that's a bit of an old cliche, but I think it's still. It still hangs around. Yeah. Our, uh, one of our, our, our live audience is jumping up and down asking to say to give, put their point of view for so we're going to invite them to say so what, what do you think Wayne what's your number one misconception I think the number one misconception for me is agile won't solve your problems it will highlight them so the misconception is that agile will solve. solve your problems yes yeah. that's fair it doesn't get highlights yeah Ken Schroeder used to say scrums like your, mo your mother-in-law <coughs> I don't think my mother-in-law is listening uh, she may well be she might but, be um, my mother-in-law is pretty good actually <laughs> to be fair uh, but the Ken Schreiber would say your mother-in-law will come around never really help, help with anything but she'll point out all your faults uh, and scrums like that because it highlights that and it, that, that is the beauty of it really um, but how do you get people to sign up for that I think it's got to be a bit masochistic right I think the thing I'd like to change is also is, is, is the belief that everything is, is that the problems are much more simple than they look like what we were talking about the other day that experimentation is, is we haven't got time to experiment we've just got to do it, just got to get it done yeah but we don't know what we're getting done yet that's a big one for me oh this is nice what have they got it's a mix it's a mixture of a, a vice beer and an IPA I reckon it's nice cheers man I think we need to um clo close <coughs> close down yeah because we've done 30 minutes that's all we're going to give them they're always leaving one to more Jeff okay but we'll be interested to see how, um, <coughs> so Twitter, what's that one? That's Instagram. That's I Instagram think Facebook as well. And Facebook. I think. Oh, is it? Okay. And, and that's YouTube. YouTube. 
as to um, which which one worked best. So thank you very much. Alright. Cheers everyone. Cheers Alistair. And thank you for the questions. We hope you've enjoyed it. Cheers everyone. Cheers. See you all again soon. Bye bye time out. Oh a round of applause, applause. More I, applause. I don't know how we stop it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> how do I stop this thing? So, there you go. Another episode in the can. I hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any questions you'd like us to cover, or if you'd like to invite us to your meetup group or conference for a live episode, then just get in touch. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and of course Patreon.com, where you can find some extra episodes that have never seen the light of day, plus video versions of a lot of our episodes. Until next time, cheers! <laughs>